Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Owls 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fielder, site publisher for Owls247.com. In today's episode, we're going to be previewing FAU's next opponent, the Purdue Boilermakers, a road game for FAU, Big Ten road game. These are sort of games that get you a little bit excited, big crowd, big environment, but still, you know, a chance for FAU to potentially get that real big marquee win. It's something we talked about last week throughout the week uh, before they played UCF, and it was something that's been talked about a lot is can FAU get that marquee win under Willie Taggart and, you know, the win to sort of shift this program around and this Purdue team... We'll go into it a little bit later. Is a good football team, but they've shot themselves in the foot so far this year. A couple times this year where they've just not been able to hold themselves from sort of stopping themselves. Uh, you know, it's something we'll talk about later. But normally we record these episodes on Thursday. Normally I would sit down on Thursday and record this episode. But I'm glad I waited because earlier this morning, uh, as I woke up, got ready to do some stuff, Pete Thamel of ESPN reported that Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell is a game-time decision. He's battling some sort of injury. Uh, I don't remember if he listed what the injury was, but Aiden O'Connell, a game-time decision for this game. and It's big news if you're FAU because Aiden O'Connell is their best player. Aiden O'Connell is out-and-out out their best player. He's an NFL talent. He's an NFL prospect so far this year. He's completed 86 of 30, uh, 134 attempts. He's got about, about 1,000 yards. He's got eight touchdowns, one interception. He's going to be a guy who after this year, he's going to be in the NFL. And he's a guy who so far this year, or so far throughout his career, has two 500-yard passing games. And when you think about the Big Ten and particularly the division that Purdue plays in, there aren't many teams that throw the football quite like Purdue do. And a lot of these teams run the football a lot. And it's really kind of boring football if you're into passing. And if you're into high point totals, you know, you look at Iowa, you look at Wisconsin. These aren't teams that are going to beat you by throwing the football. Purdue, on the other hand, is going to be a team that beats you by throwing the football. So when you look at Purdue, and when you look at what they've done so far throughout this year, and they've only played three games and they've lost two of them, uh, Penn State, Syracuse, they beat Indiana State uh, in the middle of those two, 56 nothing. But this is a team that sort of is unique in the sense that they are going to throw the football. This is Jeff Brom's offense. This is an air raid offense, a little bit like you saw last year with Western Kentucky, if you remember going back to that Western Kentucky FAU game to end the year where it was a lot of throwing the football, and if you didn't stop them throwing the football, they were just going to keep throwing the football. Yeah, it's it's sort of similar for this this Purdue team, and it's one of those games where you, when you look at it, the secondary's got to be up to the task, and we're going to break all that down. I, I know that I sort of got into it a little bit because the news of Aiden O'Connell is big, and that's where we're going to start. Uh, the Purdue offense so far this year has had its ups, and it's certainly had its downs. You know, you look through their first three games of the year, they scored 31 points against Penn State. And anytime you score 31 points, you feel like you should probably win the game. 56 points against Indiana State, 29 points against Syracuse. And against Syracuse, they held the lead until like the last 51 seconds. They had scored a late touchdown or got a late field goal. I don't remember exactly what it was. I sort of had that game on in the background while I was doing some other stuff. But this is a team that has a very lethal offense. And it all starts with Aiden O'Connell. He's an NFL draft prospect. Uh, FAU defensive coordinator Todd Orlando compared him to o former Oklahoma State quarterback Mason Rudolph. Uh, I'm sure a lot more of you remember Mason Rudolph or know Mason Rudolph from his time in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the one incident with Miles Garrett that we won't talk about. But this is a guy who is incredibly gifted throwing the football. He's not going to beat you by the ground. He's not going to beat you by you know rushing for 300 yards in a game or 200 yards or 100 yards even. But this is a guy who's just going to stay in the pocket. He's tall. He's physical. He's able to take hits. 
and he's able to deliver some shots. You know, he's a guy who can make a lot of the throws that NFL teams look for. I don't think he's got this, like, Josh Allen arm strength where he can throw the ball 60 yards down the field and boom, you know, you, you look and he's got a guy 60 yards down the field just wide open. But this is a guy who, who's who got the NFL arm. Uh, and I found a draft scouting report from Damian Parson of the Draft Network. Uh, the Draft Network does a great job covering the NFL draft. And he says about Aiden O'Connell, uh, you know, on his on his scouting report, uh, quarterbacks that play with swag and moxie always endear me, always endear themselves to me. Excuse me. Aiden O'Connell is a pure gamer. He doesn't back down or stop throwing the pigskin no matter the circumstances. His best traits are his accuracy, touch, and ball placement. He anticipates throwing lanes opening before the wide receiver enters the territory. He's a quick processor of information for a quarterback in his first year as a starter last season. I believe, or he might have been the starter this year, but... He throws a beautiful and catchable pass with the right amount of touch. He puts the pass where his receivers can track it without rushing their process. He's more than capable of leading his receivers away from the coverage. And the most important part, the most important part of all of this is he has an NFL arm that meets the threshold. Uh, FAU is going to play some talented quarterbacks this year. They're going to play some quarterbacks that can beat them. And they played one last week in John Reese Plumley, who's incredibly gifted on the ground we talked about this uh last week of he's really good on the ground he sort of struggled against the pass going in that uh in that fau game but this if aiden o'connell plays uh, and there's sort of a big if to this because the news sort of came out late uh, jeff brom hadn't announced that he was injured or no one had really known that he was injured but if he does not play or if he plays excuse me if he's able to go through pregame workouts and suits up and plays against fau FAU's going to have their hands full defending a guy like him because he is good. He is really good, and he's going to be the best quarterback that FAU faces this year, even if they go to a bowl game and, you know, whoever they face the bowl game. I don't care. Aiden O'Connell's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Aiden O'Connell is a flat-out gamer. He's a guy who, when he steps on the football field, you're not really scared of him for it, but when you when he steps on the football field, he's incredibly gifted and he's able to stop teams. Now, one thing to note, uh, after... This game against FAU, Penn State or Purdue will open up conference play or reopen up conference play. They played uh, the opening week against Penn State, but they will reopen conference play at Minnesota, who's seemingly looking like a good team, at Maryland, who's a capable team. So there may be a point where Jeff Brom sort of chooses to sit him if he's not fully at 100%, just because of the teams behind them are very talented programs or teams that can beat them and you don't want to risk a re-injury to your starting quarterback with conference play coming up you know they are 0-1 in conference and they did lose that first game to Purdue but this is still a team that can compete in in the Big Ten they're a team that's capable of beating a lot of teams you know we look back to some of the older years where Big Ten or where Purdue was able to sort of play upset to teams and I believe they upset like number two Ohio State and this is a team that when they get on the roll they are hard to stop. They are they are almost unbeatable at times. You know, this is a team that when you look at the Big Ten and where we stand in Big Ten football, I'm not going to go deep into Big Ten football because I just don't think it's really necessary, but uh, Big Ten football is very top-heavy. It's, you know, the Penn States, Michigans, Ohio States. Michigan State has struggled this year, but we'll include Michigan State in the sake of this too. Wisconsin as well. We've got those five teams that everyone really knows. And then you've got a list of teams that just are like okay at times and not great at others. Uh, you know, I'm talking the Marylands, the the Minnesotas, the Iowas, depending on what that offense looks like. 
And then there's Purdue. Purdue plays in the Big Ten West. The Big Ten West this year, uh, if you're following national college football, is I, I'm not going to say it, but it's bad. You know, there are other words that you could probably do to put in there, but Northwestern has a conference win and they've lost to an FCS opponent. Minnesota, Iowa can't score points. Wisconsin, Illinois, you know, these are teams that aren't great or okay. Uh, and Purdue. Purdue has a really big chance of making it to the Big Ten Conference Championship. And so sort of bringing that point back together from, uh, you know, the tangent that I got about Big Ten football. But bringing the point completely back together, is there a chance that Aiden O'Connell does not play this game if he's not fully 100% because Jeff Brom saves him for some of those conference games? Absolutely. Uh, I don't know the full circumstances of what his injury is or what the situation is. All I know is uh, what Pete Thamel reported, and I read a couple of other places, uh, Purdue writers and you know Purdue newspapers and stuff that said that he will go through pregame workouts and then they'll decide if he can't go. Let's let's talk about the situation if he can't go. If he can't go, their starter will be UCLA transfer Austin Burton, who has one career start. One career start. He's a sixth-year senior, I believe. One career start uh, throughout his six years in college or five years or whatever it is. It's been a long time. He's old. One career start, and it was against Oregon State in 2019. Uh, in that game, 27 of 41, 236 yards. Uh, since transferring to Penn State, he was there last year as well. He's thrown uh, two years ago, actually, I believe. Uh, Ten passes. Uh, for Penn State, or for Purdue, excuse me, not Penn State, Purdue. And he just has not gotten involved a lot. He's been used in some like packages and some certain looks that they want to do because what he can do, and this is sur- sort of where the circumstances shift between Aiden O'Connell and Austin Burton. What Aiden O'Connell, or what Austin Burton can do that Aiden O'Connell does not do is he can run the football. He's a guy who can beat you running the football. And so. When we talk about this, it's a little bit interesting because it almost feels like you have to change the playbook for him. Because this playbook is really built for a quarterback who's able to stand in the pocket and deliver it to the targets that they have because they've got a lot of really good targets on offense. One of those guys that I just really feel like we need to talk about is Charlie Jones. He used to play at Iowa. He was a return specialist for Iowa. First team all Big Ten return uh, as, as a returner in 2021. Uh, in 2021, for the Iowa offense, had 323 yards, three touchdowns, then transferred, used his final year of eligibility to transfer per, uh, to Purdue. Excuse me. And so far this year, keep in mind, we've only played three games. 32 receptions. Already insane. 474 yards. Pretty good. Five touchdowns. This is through three games. Now, this is a guy who is currently put, putting together an other world type of season. This is a guy who so far is absolutely dominating the opponents and they've played good teams remember this they played a team that in penn state that went into jordan hare stadium in auburn and beat the brakes off of an auburn football team an sec football team this team's got a pretty good secondary charlie jones just beat him charlie jones just went out there and beat him uh, syracuse has always had a pretty good secondary and their defense so far this year looked really good charlie jones just went out there and beat him had like 160 yards or whatever in that game this is a guy who just goes out there and beats guys and when you look at where FAU has sort of stood on defense so far this year, this is one of those matchups that sort of concerns you because of the problems that FAU secondary has had. Uh, they've allowed big-time plays throughout these games, and there have been plays where you sort of look, and it's it's them getting aggressive. It's uh, FAU's cornerbacks getting aggressive, and they're being built bit for being getting aggressive. 
I have no problem with the defense getting aggressive. I love it when defenses get aggressive. I hate when defenses play conservative and just t- sort of try and let the offense make their own mistakes. I think for your defensive coordinator, you should be trying to get aggressive. You should be trying to force problems, and that's what Todd Orlando does. Now, the problem is when you play aggressive and you leave your cornerbacks on islands, and what I mean by leaving cornerbacks on islands is I mean man-on-man coverage without safety help on top of it. You know, you can play man-on-man coverage. You can have a couple safeties up and help them out, but when you play cover one and cover zero with only one safety or no safety help over the top, your cornerbacks have a lot more responsibility. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Your cornerbacks have a lot more responsibility. They have to defend for longer. They have to defend individually for longer, and when you look at a guy like Charlie Jones, he doesn't really strike you in the way of like when you look at him from a physical standpoint, he's like six foot, he's about 200, like 20 pounds or whatever. He's not a huge physical monster, but when he gets on the field, he's a gamer. He's a guy who, when he gets on the field, he can make guys miss, he can get in, uh, he can, you know, get into open space. And the Purdue offensive scheme helps him in that because it's a scheme, it's an air raid scheme. It's not air raid, though. Don't don't get me wrong. It's not the Mike Leach air raid that when you turn on Mississippi State, they're going to throw the ball 800 times a game and run the ball two times a game. It's a little bit more like the Titan, Tyson Helton, excuse me, at Western Kentucky air raid where they're not afraid to run the football. They're not afraid to run the football. If you're going to drop eight in coverage and, you know, just rush three the entire game, they're just going to keep running the football and they're going to beat you like that. You've got to really stick to your own defense. You've got to just re- rely on these secondary options and you know again FAU secondary just has not looked good this year so I'm a little bit concerned from that sense of like can this secondary hold up against Charlie Jones the injuries there's been some injuries to this room we're talking about TJ Young uh, Smoke Bungeon has been sort of banged up but it's expected that he'll be good to go for this game and TJ Young we just don't know yet but if they're not healthy in the secondary, then there's some big problems because they just don't have the depth that they do have at other that they have at other positions. You look at like the defensive line, really like what they have on the defensive line in the sense of like you know you've got five or six, seven, eight, even sometimes guys that you really can rely on. You don't have that in the secondary. You know, I think that you're kind of a little bit more top heavy in the secondary, and that was a problem coming into the year. Now it's seemingly becoming a problem now. But if Smoke Bungeon TJ Young, and I believe the other one was Jaden Williams, who we asked about on Thursday. Uh, Jaden Williams, if two or three of these guys, if two of these guys can't really go, what do you have behind him? What do you have behind him that you can rely on? Uh, because that's sort of where the problems begin. But let's not let's let's not talk about that because we don't know the circumstances. All I'm going to say is the secondary needs to play well, especially against a guy like Charlie Jones, because Charlie Jones is a gamer, man. I'm going to keep talking about it because I love guys like this who, when you watch them play, they don't shock you physically. You're, you know, they're not six foot five and built like a Mack truck, but they're just dang good football players. And he's got a long of 55 yards. He's averaging 158 yards per game through three games. Uh, behind him, uh, Payne Durham is sort of their like tight end wide receiver, flat or tight end. We'll call him a tight end for the sake of this. He had nine receptions for 83 yards and two touchdowns against. Syracuse and he was he's a guy who can push teams down the field and it's sort of a situation where if Austin Burton starts it and O'Connell can't go I want to see what he can do throwing the football I almost want to dare him I almost want to dare Purdue to throw the football I know how crazy that sounds with how good they've been throwing the football in O'Connell's fifth nationally passing but if Austin Burton starts He's a guy who has not started a game since 2019. He's thrown 10 passes since transferring to Purdue. He's not experienced. 
He might be old, but he does not have game experience. He's not sitting here, you know, he's not one of those backups who played at like an FCS school and they've got like 20 starts under their belt. Now they're a backup for Purdue. This is a guy who's got one start in his career. That was in 2019 for COVID, uh, before just a complete shifts in college football for UCLA. Now he's at Purdue and he's thrown the ball 10 times since then. He's completed eight of them. Let's be clear. He's completed eight of them. And he's got like an 80% passing completion at Purdue, but still just 10 throws. That's a really small sample size. The other thing to know about the Purdue offense, and we'll shift quickly to the defense, and I'll give a score prediction, talk about some other things. They don't run the football very well, and Purdue fans are sort of begging for uh, running the, uh, to run the football a little bit more. Dylan Downing was their starter coming into the year. 3.6 yards per carry through three games. Then they sort of found this uh, walk-on uh, in the Indiana State game, and Devin, I may mispronounce his name, Devin Maccabi or McCoby. Had seven carries for two, 22 yards on a touchdown against Cuse. Had another touchdown against Indiana State. He's an athletic player. He's a former state champion in uh, the long jump at uh, at his high school in Indiana. He walked on to the football program after having, I think, one FBS offer. Uh, and he had a 15-yard touchdown run against Cuse where if you look at the play and you can find it on uh, Twitter, he just bursts through the hole, man. He finds the hole, he bursts through the hole, and he gets, you know, he gets behind the defense like that. You know, snap your fingers, he's behind you. He's an athletic player, but, and I don't like doing this, so don't think I'm going to do this all the time, but if you take away that 15-yard touchdown, six carries for, and if my math is, serves you correctly, seven yards, uh, 22 minus seven, 15 to seven, yes. So, six carries for seven yards. Is he just, like, I? They ha- he hasn't played much. I feel like they're going to put him in against FAU because, not only do they want to see what they have in him, but he's been sort of their big-time playmaker in the backfield, and he's uh, leading the team in yards per carry. And uh, Can he do it consistently? You know, can he He might get one to 15-yard run, two 15-yard runs, but what does he do in those other 10, 15 carries if he gets those? Or if he only gets six carries, what does he do in the, only, in the other six carries? That's what I'm going to watch about this. Purdue offense is can they run the football a little bit more or will they become an air raid offense because if they become an air raid offense secondary time time to make a play time to get an interception time to play good defense and time to put your hard hat on and get back to work Uh, you know the struggles that they've had this year they've had those those games are done you can't go back you can't look at the Ohio game you can't look at the UCF game and talk about what may have happened time to step up and play because this is going to be a game where you may be able to win the football game if you can make some stops on defense. Why do I say that? Well, the Purdue defense has been pretty good, but they're missing their best linebacker in Jalen Graham, who's out for his third game, suffered a tibia injury in their starter or in their opener, excuse me, against Penn State. Has not been able to play the other three games. He was an All Big Ten honorable mention in 2021. Had 64 tackles, uh, four tackles for loss, two interceptions. He plays like a linebacker safety hybrid. And we'll talk about the Purdue defense uh, in tomorrow's preview. But just from a, a, you know, from the schematical standpoint. But he's a very good ball player. Outside of him, their two leading tacklers this year are safeties in Sanusi Kane and Cam Allen. They play a lot of one high safety. So when you see two safeties as your leading tacklers, and it's not a defense that's like just being gashed for like 16 yards per, you know, like 25 yards per play, 
uh, and Purdue's defense has not been gashed for that many yards per player or whatever. But when you see a defense like this, where it's really led by the by the starting safeties, it means they play a lot of one high safety. And when a team plays one high safety, we've talked about this before because Ohio played one high safety, UCF played one high safety. You've got to be able to throw the football effectively. You've got to be able to win by throwing the football because when you throw the football effectively and a team plays one high safety looks, that forces them to make a decision. Do they either bring the other safety high and play too high safety, which then opens up the box for run plays, or do they just rely on their cornerbacks to make plays? The one thing to know about Purdue's defense is their rushing defense so far this year has been really good. They, they've they played like two really solid running backs in Nicholas Singleton of Penn State. He's a true freshman. And Sean Tucker of Syracuse. He's a guy who last year sort of went popular for a really good season. Then some Twitter post after every game. He's just great. Opening game against Penn State, Nicholas, Nicholas Singleton ran the ball 10 times for 33 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. Sean Tucker, in their most recent game, 18 carries, 52 yards, 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, I think the thing that really stood out about those two games, because I, I was able to watch a little bit of both those games, actually. Garrett Schrader, who's Syracuse's quarterback, had some good throws late in the game. He was able to sort of make some big-time plays. We'll go back to why that was late. Uh, after I bring up this point about Penn State's quarterback, Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford went out with an injury at some point in the game. He came back. He was not able to run the football effectively, but he was able to make some throws when it mattered. And the uh, the Penn State defense really stepped up as well, but uh, Sean Clifford was able to make, them, make some throws, excuse me, when it mattered in that game. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this upcoming game. Uh, one other note, FAU struggled on third downs. Uh, struggled on third downs in the second half of that game. It doesn't get any easier for FAU. Uh, on, on the offensive side of the football, 3 of 13. Syracuse was 3 of 13 on third downs. And Penn State was 5 of 16. So when you look at that, it's like, damn, they should really be 3-0. and That's a team that should really be 3-0. and why, why aren't they 3-0? and Mistakes. When you shoot yourself in the foot, you can lose football games. And uh, against Syracuse, they had 13 penalties for 138 yards against Penn State, nine penalties for 92 yards. That's a lot of penalties. <laughs> That's a lot of penalties. And then they had some turnovers in there. And One of the plays that really stood out to me was in the Syracuse game where after they scored the touchdown, about 51 seconds left in the game, they get two penalties uh, after the touchdown, which are uh, enforced on the kickoff, and they were kicking the ball up from like their own 10-yard line. Yeah. From their own 10-yard line, they were kicking the ball off. And at that point, Purdue or Syracuse, excuse me, gets the ball at about midfield. And they just don't do much. They throw like six or five or six incomplete passes. And then the only reason why they're able to score the game-winning touchdown is because Purdue just had like six or seven, eight penalties on that drive alone. Holdings, pass interferences, sportsman conducts, you name it, they probably had it on that drive. And... Those are sort of situations where when you're playing a team like FAU or when you're playing smaller teams, Purdue is a bigger team than Syracuse. Syracuse, I think, were dogs in that game. Or they may have been favorites because they've had a really good start this year. But from a talent perspective, just from a talent perspective, Purdue should be able to beat most of the teams in the Big Ten West, most of the teams in their non-conference schedule. But if you consistently make mistakes and you consistently give the opposing team a chance to win the football game. Eventually, if they take advantage, they're just going to win the football game, man. They're just going to win the football game. That's as easy as that. That's what football is. You know, if you make mistakes, you have self-inflicted gunshot wounds throughout the game of, oh, 
you know, penalty here, fumble here, big time play before halftime, which was actually what happened in the Penn State game. They had a uh, touchdown right before halftime. You just sort of took the wins out the sale of, of Purdue. But when you have these mistakes, you have all these penalties like Purdue has, teams are going to take advantage. Good teams are going to take advantage. And I feel like FAU, if they play like they have in these in some of these other games, uh, talking about Purdue, FAU can take advantage and they can win this game. I'm not going to say they are going to win the game. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get into a score prediction actually here in a little bit, but I just want to finish this point. If you have self-inflicted gunshot wounds and self-inflicted wounds throughout a game and you just make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake and you're just like, you have a great game for three and a half quarters and then the last half of the fourth quarter you just blow the game away, no one cares what you did in the first three and a half quarters. No one. I don't. The team doesn't. The standings don't because Purdue is 1-2 and two and not 3-0 because of that reason. And so if FAU is going to win this football game, it may very well come down to Purdue just makes a couple mistakes like, uh, you know, if he's able to keep it close to three quarters and miss, Purdue makes a couple mistakes, and FAU takes advantage. And I think that this is sort of what you need to keep an eye on is if Purdue makes mistakes, can FAU take advantage? They took advantage on some of, the game against, some of them against UCF, excuse me, but remember they hit the pick? Uh, the Dwight Toombs interception returned another one yard line, couldn't score on it. Uh, you had a fumble that I don't think you scored on as well. You had some situations where UCF gave you a chance to win the game. You just didn't win it. With that being said, score prediction. I know some people like score predictions. I don't like doing score predictions, so I'm not going to go into like deep thought about this. But I do think Purdue will win this game. I just think Purdue has too much talent. Uh, if Aiden O'Connell is healthy, and I'm going to sort of operate under the belief that he is healthy because until you're ruled out for me, you're healthy and you're playing. If Aiden O'Connell's healthy and playing, they just have too much firepower on offense, particularly between him and and Jones. And it just seems like a very tough game for FAU in the sense of like you know their secondary struggled this year, uh, they're a little bit banged up. So I feel like this is a loss for FAU, and they're going to fall to two and two or uh, two and three on the season. Excuse me, they've already played five games. Jesus, uh, but. Uh, so I feel like FAU is going to lose this game. But I will say this. I think FAU will keep it close. I don't know if you just heard that. I just hit my mic. But FAU is going to keep this game close. I feel like through three quarters, FAU is going to keep this game close. And it's going to be a really tight game. And, you know, it feels like FAU is sort of going blow for blow. Or both teams just aren't scoring consistently. But I feel like in the fourth quarter, Purdue is going to pull it away. And I don't remember what the line is at, uh, the, the spread is at. But... I think that FAU will lose by single digits, but high single digits, like nine or eight points. So it's not a one-score game, but it's still like, I feel like it will be an encouraging performance for FAU. I feel like FAU realizes that they need, that they need to get right. They can't keep losing games like they have. They can't keep uh, you know losing games because of strong second-half performances by another team. So I think that they're going to try and respond. I think this team's old and experienced in the fact that they will be able to respond like that. Now let's operate on the belief that Aiden O'Connell doesn't play. Let's let's just give the the benefit of the doubt that let's say Aiden O'Connell doesn't play. They either choose to rest him or he's just not able to play. If Austin Burton starts, I think FAU can really win this game because it changes the way that Purdue's offense is going to work. You can't throw the football as effectively. They've got to run the football a little bit more. And this is not an offense built for running the football. I don't know what their quarterback run plays in the playbook are. You know, some teams have a playbook that they just don't really go to throughout games because they have something that's working. But let's say that. Austin Burton is your starting quarterback for Purdue. And one's, again, one start at UCLA and now at Purdue. I feel like FAU can win this game if they're able to contain the rushing attack by him and they're able to force him uh, to 
just sort of play in the pocket, not just be able to run around and, you know, make some big time plays. And I will say this, I feel like FAU is going to have to score 35 points in this game to win, or 30 points. You're going to have to get over 30 points to win this game because you cannot win this game in a defensive battle, I feel like. I feel like you almost have to sort of make this a shootout in some way. I'm not going to say you have to go out there and score 55 points to win this game, but if you can score 30 points, I may feel a little bit more comfortable where this about if FAU can win this football game because if Aiden O'Connell doesn't play and if he's even banged up, how does that look in the sense of them operating on offense something to just keep an eye on before saturday's kickoff 7 30 p.m kickoff on big 10 network at purdue it's their homecoming night the crowd's going to be i think very electrifying and i think that's where actually having a young or an experienced quarterback is going to help at the in the sense of uh and Kosi perry but thank you guys for listening to the owls 24 7 podcast like this one did run a little bit long but i want to talk about some of these storylines regarding aiden o'connell and particularly if he can or cannot play uh, this has been the Owls 24-7 Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, for supporting. You can follow myself on Twitter at the Kevin Fielder. You can follow the podcast and the site on Twitter at Owls 24-7, owls247.com. We'll see you guys next week for the breakdown of this game, you know, where I think FAU did well, where they didn't do well, and then also talk about their upcoming opponent because conference play starts back up.